This year's donations might go to, say, the geology department. Oh dear, not the dirt people. Geology is the study of pressure and time. That's all it takes, really. What kind of activity has turned the lake massive? Look, I'm just a geologist. I like rocks. I love rocks. Uh, hello, everyone, and welcome to the Geology Flannel Cast. My name is Steve. Hey there, everybody. This is Chris. Hello. I'm Jesse. Nice. That's yeah. A good one. I like that. Um, everyone doing all right tonight? Man, living my best life, I'm telling I, you. Yeah, I tell you what, now that I'm with you guys, I'm doing great. Oh, yeah. It's adorable. You know, I'm, I'm not going to lie. There are times when I think of podcasting as something to do, but then the moment I sit down to do it, I love it. You know what I mean? Like you you just, you see it on the schedule, you see it on your calendar, you you know, it's a, it's a thing you have to do today. And you're like, just one more thing. But then when you sit down to do it, you're like, yeah, there are definitely some evenings where I'm like, oh man. Yeah. As soon as I sit down, I get energized. That's right. I've never had that feeling of dread looking, you know, <laughs> I didn't say dread one of these. Yeah, podcasts. I, I said another highlight thing. of my day every single week. <laughs> if we skip a week, I'm depressed. None so. of us said dread. Yeah, <laughs> it was implied. <laughs> well, anyway, welcome back, everyone. We took last week off. We're back this week. We had to move some stuff around our little schedules around, but uh, we're back. We didn't disappear. Back with the vengeance, baby. Uh, where are we up to episode 106? I want to say off the top of my, uh, something like that. Yeah. Something like that. The 107, excuse me. I was off by one. I I thought 106 was light. I definitely thought it was light. Like we didn't, we didn't do enough. No, I thought Chris was low with his number. Oh, uh, oh I see. What I you're thought, saying. Yeah. I, I thought you were saying it was a crappy episode. Yeah. I, like, I thought you, you were really bad. Tongue, sir. <laughs> <laughs> no, I do have a question though. Uh, yeah, uh, I'm not here to answer questions. The the Eagles are playing the Falcons this weekend. Yeah, who do you think is going to win, Chris? I don't know. I haven't followed football in a really long time. Uh, the Eagles. I, I hear the Eagles are not looking too good this year, though. No, but neither is Atlanta. So it's, uh, it's the battle for the toilet. Then you know. Yeah, I, I honestly don't know, but the the Phillies keep shooting themselves in the foot. So I, I got to look forward to something. <laughs> they are absolutely terrible. Yeah. Anyway, in that's case, all I'll say about it. In case any of these podcasters are listening, uh, we two out of three of us live in the Philadelphia area, and the, the third of us grew up in the Philadelphia area. So sorry if we talk Philly sports, but anywho. So what? What You're are we very talking? Decked out in Philadelphia gear right now. I'm looking at you. You got the hat and the T-shirt right now. Yeah. Holy shnikes! Del- <laughs> Delco hat, Temple shirt. Uh, yeah. Says says the guy wearing a Flyers hat. I am wearing my flyers hat today. Yeah. <laughs> There's plain Jane Jesse in his gray t-shirt. Oh, oh nice. Oh, we all have some Philly gear today. Look at that. Yeah. There you go. All of us. All right. What do you want to talk about today, Steve? I was uh, thumbing through my calendar and I came across uh, the date Mr. Burns was born, which was uh, 1906. And I was thinking about we Mr. Could talk. Burns from The Simpsons. Yeah. How did I'm you know that he was born in 1906? I'm making all this up. Ah. I actually know when Mr. Burns was born. I'm sure some of our Patreons might know him, Mr. Burns. Yeah, was born. but he 
he was friends with Alexander Graham Bell. Yes, it's got to be before. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yes. Ahoy, hoy, ahoy, hoy. <laughs> uh no i was thinking of the san francisco earthquake <gasps> wait for it of 1906 oh. <laughs> was that a letdown you made it sound like a letdown were you hoping right. we were doing uh the, loma the, Frieda? yeah the 89 one yeah. i'm uh, old enough to remember that live i was also watching it live the world series yeah uh and I remember being like, what? It's just an earthquake. Why can't they play baseball? <laughs> uh, real fast before we move on, you asked how old is Mr. Burns from The Simpsons? Yeah. In uh, season two, uh, Mr. Burns says, tells Homer that he's 81 years old. But then several episodes later, he's shown to be 104. Mm. A little bit of inconsistency there in uh, episode or season two of The Simpsons. But just wanted to keep the facts straight here, you know? So season two of The Simpsons, he's 104, so he'd be like 134, <laughs> right? Because Simpsons have been on for like 32 30. years. Yeah. Um. Anyways, back to uh, back to earthquakes. Yeah, we'd be, we'll talk about today. I'll talk a little bit about how the kind of the mechanics behind how earthquakes in the in the San Francisco area work. What's going on? And then we got some uh, some fun facts lined up about the. Uh, the 1906 earthquake. So uh, just to give you guys a heads, or I guess give the listeners some background information. So this is the, this is, this is a really bad earthquake. And, uh, but the earthquake occurred before the theory of plate tectonics was even uh, anybody even knew about it. So kind of a little couple, couple little facts that we'll bring to the table towards the end of the episode, I guess when we get to the, the fun facts, but uh, just kind of, kind of keep that in your mind. You know, people were kind of doing their thing and they had, they had no, no explanation on why earthquakes happened. Uh, wrath that, of God, I'm assuming. Right. Yeah. I guess you could go with that. Or I should say, uh, they didn't have the correct earth mechanism on, uh, <laughs> correct. This mechanism. Is before a uh, good friend of the podcast, Alfred, Al- Alfred Begner. Mm-hmm. Uh, Wegner was 20, 20, 1926 or 1920. He threw out. His, In, yeah, the, um, you'll have to listen to episode ninety from April. Look at this guy takes takes a week off, but he still comes back. He's, he's on it. He's, it's like it. he never took any time off at all. <laughs> the in-house statistician of the geology final cast. I'm telling you, <laughs> thank you, Steve. I that can't, was really fast. Can't, can't remember what I had for breakfast this morning, but. <laughs> this guy is like the Rain Man when it comes to final cast episodes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, um, so let's uh, let's get into uh, some uh, tectonics here. What? Uh, why does uh, why does San Francisco get uh, is is prone to earthquakes? Is it just San Francisco and California that's uh, prone to earthquakes? That's a good question. Certainly no. seems like it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, no. It's whoa, whoa, uh, most most of that West Coast there, buddy. Yeah. Right. So the uh, from Baja, Mexico, all the way to uh, I guess north of a little bit north of San Francisco. Yeah, uh, out into the bay, into the ocean. Mo- Monterey, past Monterey, like. So what we're talking about is Monterey this... south or north of San Fran. Yeah, my California geography is not. Yeah, it's it's all uh, black hole. Yeah, <laughs> so we're told south here. Our 
our fact checker, in-house fact checker, Dennis, just told us south. Thank you, Dennis. Where's my chat? Uh, we could really solve the solve this by looking at a map. Ah, that's what I just come on. Just, that's no, like no. that's like cheating. Uh, yeah, I anyway. feel like if we're not doing this straight from our heads. But uh, just recently, uh, what was it? Four years ago, there was an earthquake in Napa Valley that was devastating. It it didn't kill a lot of people, thank God, but it caused billions of dollars of damage, mostly to booze. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, like, wine, a lot of wineries lost a lot of wine. Yeah, it was. You know, it was that was 2014, and it was. It was I think <laughs> like was I close, said a few years ago. Yeah, <laughs> it was close to like a billion dollars. Yeah. Uh, no joke. Seriously. Seven years ago? Yeah. I understand the last year and a half was a bit of a blur, but come on. <laughs> what that? I guess 2014 that was a blur for you. What happened in 2014, Steve? I graduated grad school. Oh. Oh. 2014. Really? Is that long ago? What yeah. a year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Somebody, somebody emailed uh, Eva Gladish or emailed me and said, like, uh, you're an adjunct professor? I was like, yeah, for the last seven years. <laughs> so good times. Good times. All right. So we got the San Andreas Fault that runs along the runs along uh, Western California through uh, it goes right through San Bernardino. Uh, and then uh, then it kind of once it gets up to San Francisco, it kind of then juts off into the like right on the coast, if not the Pacific Ocean there. So it's uh it's kind of in a, in a north northwest southeast trending fault. Um, it's a it's a transform fault, so that means that um, the it's more than meets the eye. Like the transformers. <laughs> Come on, that was good. <laughs> that that was not your best dad joke. I'm sorry. I was. <laughs> you've had better. You've had better. <laughs> so. Uh, Anything uh, the the this the sliver of California that's west of the San Andreas Fault that's moving in a in a northerly direction and uh, relative to the uh, the rest of the state there, so it would be uh, related to like a like a right lateral movement. I'd say. All right, so that's yeah. that's. <clears throat> uh, so the, can we just talk for a minute about popular misconception? Oh, yeah, I know where this is going because I go ahead. Okay, me? Well, yeah, do it. You brought it up. All right. <laughs> so the, the popular misconception, um, as seen in some popular films, uh, I'm using popular pretty liberally here, as seen in some films, <laughs> uh, you know, the idea is California would break off into the ocean. Mm-hmm. And tectonically speaking, that uh, is impossible. What? Snake Plissken was lying for a number of, for a number of reasons. That's impossible. But uh, the fault alone is a slidey fault side by side, not a pulley apart fault. So California for now one California wouldn't pull break off into the ocean Two, the fault is on, you know, the, the Western edge of, of California. And so, you know, if you thought of anything falling into the ocean, it would be the tiny little sliver of Western California. Yeah, basically Malibu. That's yeah. about it. So if you're thinking about it, if you're trying to picture how it's sliding or where the fault runs through, well, you could always look at a map. But um, you can Again, think of 
that's cheating. That is cheating. Um, if you were if you were standing in L.A. over time, you would see San Francisco coming towards you. It's coming right for us. Slowly. <laughs> uh, but and also another point, there's not just the San Andreas fault there. Like it's a it's yeah. a series of faults, you know, stuff's breaking in and moving and shifting the San Andreas fault system. Yes. So like the Hayward fault is another huge fault that that causes that has caused devastation in the past. Um, but the particular one from the 1906 earthquake was the San Andreas fault. Mm-hmm. Was and it- what the San Andreas fault turned on after the Farallon plate completely subducted underneath North America. Am I correct? Is my, is my recollection correct there? That's a great question. That I is a great question. I, I mean, it's, it's related or something after the Farallon plate completely got subducted underneath. North America. Just, if you think of the physics, that kind of makes sense because the, the, those, those two plates would be kind of sutured together. And then as soon as the Farallon plate breaks off, then you can get that northerly movement of the Pacific plate. But I I don't know like in theory, that makes sense, but I don't know for sure. Yeah. Yeah, So when did the Farallon plate? Cause this, the 1905 December. (laughs) (laughs) That's right before the earthquake. See you later. Because they there's some thought that the San Andreas, you know, has been operating for a long time. What's, uh, I'm looking at a number here. I don't know what this 30 is. Thirty million years. Thirty, yeah, Cenozoic. Yeah. Um. Yeah. And so. Wow. Then no. Then like the Farallon went under less less than fifty million years ago. I don't know. Well, don't the Farallon probably. Probably was jacking up North America, causing it to to twist as it was going under, right? Ah, uh, yeah. I, I don't know. I feel like the Farallon plate gets credit and blame for everything that's going on <laughs> out west, all the way all the way to like St. Louis. <laughs> like, yeah, that's just the Farallon decoupling. Yeah, just doing oh, that thing Farallon again. Yeah, <sighs> yeah uh, 50, 50 million years ago is when it when right. It, that's oh, when that. Yeah, that's when so the it took about twenty million years for after that for the San Andreas to turn on. Well, yeah, things happen slow in plate tectonics. Yeah. It's just yeah, you gotta take it slow. You if know? I could blame the Farallon plate, I will. <laughs> Sorry, no, you no, should. I think I think you should blame it for everything. Like if you get a flat tire, it's like Farallon. Thanks a lot, Farallon. <laughs> so okay, so let's uh, let's let's get into the. Uh, Let's get into uh, this the San Francisco earthquake here. Uh, so this earthquake occurred on uh, it was like five I was like five twelve a yeah I was five twelve a.m. on April eighteenth nineteen oh six, and a lot of people were sleeping and they were awakened by an earthquake and uh, some I guess the best estimates for this earthquake are that it was, it would be somewhere between a magnitude of 7.7 to 7.9. So that's, uh, that's quite a bit of shaking there. Right? Yeah, man. Um, and let's see. So it looks like the San and uh, the San Andreas fault ruptured 296 miles. Wow. Whoa. 
yeah, yeah that's that, uh, that's like from that's more than Philly to Pittsburgh. Yeah, so that's that's like Philadelphia to Boston. No, about three hundred miles. Yeah, probably. Yeah, I think Philly's like. I'm say, I'm going to say Philly to Providence. <laughs> yeah, <Okay>. whatever. <laughs> <laughs> you know, what? I don't have the energy right now. If you want to say Providence, sure, whatever. That's I mean, close so enough. I've I'm I'm checking. I'm doing doing the. There we go. Oh, man. Philly to Providence, depending if you take 84 to 95, 304 miles. Well, even a blind squirrel finds a nut once in a while. <laughs> yeah. ah, come on, man. I knew Boston what is was it? too far. What is it to Boston? What is it Philly to Boston? Philly to Boston is 308 miles. <laughs> <laughs> man, are we splitting hairs right now? <laughs> Uh, just for reference, but prices right rules. I win. Philly to Pittsburgh is three hundred five. All right. Oh. so I was wrong on there too. I said about I thought I thought it was longer than Philly to Pittsburgh. Yeah, that's crazy. That's three hundred miles. Yeah, because so, I've gotten there in like four hours before. <laughs> you're driving very quickly. I don't know what to tell you. All right, Jack, yes. <laughs> Some would All right. Say. Some other some fun facts about this earthquake. I'm just going to sprinkle. I'm not going to wait till the end. I'm just going to sprinkle these uh, these fun facts in here all throughout the the podcast. All right. Uh, There was uh, 21 feet of uh, of movement of offset as a result of this earthquake. It's it's nice amount of uh, nice amount of offset right there. Are you ready for this? How fast did the the rupture move? This these are crazy numbers. Uh, going from the north, the rupture was going at eight thousand three hundred miles per hour, Whoa. and then going to, and then the southerly direction looks like the rupture was moving at uh, six thousand three hundred miles an hour. I want to know how they found came up with those numbers. That is a good question. Yeah. But if you were on the rupture, you would have exploded. <laughs> like that's being hit by something faster that's- than a jet. That's why I was asking, like, what's the speed of sound? Yeah, eleven hundred feet per second, or what? What was it, Jesse? Seven hundred and something miles an hour. Yeah. Miles an hour at, at sea level, I guess. Yeah, in dry air as well. Oh, sorry. Dry yeah, maybe, maybe that's well, why you, you were wrong. Maybe you knew it in wet air. Yeah, I, I, it, I think it would. I think it yeah, would move. Slowly. I think it would move faster. We're showing our our physics knowledge. Yeah, here. right. Wouldn't wouldn't sound does sound move faster through water? I guess in, in water proper, it should move faster <clears throat> through water, and then faster. But if you have solids. to constantly change between water and air, water and air, would that slow it down? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. So it it, it in water it, it moves. Whoa. Thirty three hundred miles an hour. Bam. See, yeah. this this blind squirrel starting to see <laughs> uh and in say like granite um it's moving at well five almost six thousand meters per second which is um what thirteen thousand miles an hour how many elephants per day is that that's too many elephants just yeah, that's great. Well, and, and that's why they do some of those sonic surveys when they're uh, trying to figure out what's 
what's going on beneath the subsurface. They know exactly how fast sound travels through different yeah. rocks so they can figure this stuff out. Bam. So, yeah, if, if you were on the rupture, you gone. Well, <laughs> uh, no. It, it, it wasn't at the surface, though. Yeah, that's going good. through the rock. I guess. And, because and, it's that but depth. Tw- 21 feet of throw, though, if you were just sitting, you know, you yeah. woke up early that morning, you're 5 a.m. having your coffee, and you just happen to be sitting on the rupture, and then all of a sudden, you know, either something drops 21 feet below you or shoots you up in the air 21 feet. <laughs> it, you it happened. It did happen very shallow. It happened at a depth of like eight kilometers, right? Five miles. That is pretty shallow. Do you yeah, have? Any- that's a really shallow one. Yeah. Is that? That's are you num- asking if that's what it? Or well, that's the number I saw. I don't know. Okay. Okay. Uh, um, yeah. It's okay. it's tough. Man, that's got to be tough to figure out after the fact. Like now we have seismographs all over the place that can triangulate this down to where where the most rupture happened and figure out how deep it was, like the focus versus the epicenter and all that stuff. I don't know. How, how do you do it forensically, like backwards? Yeah, there's paleo seismologic studies are, are sort of interesting. They use, if you find scarps, so, you know, a scarp mm-hmm. is where you see the displacement of the rock. So it creates like a little cliff or something if there's vertical displacement. Or even horizontal, you, you look for displacement and you can measure it. And you sort of make assumptions that this was from the 1906 earthquake. We do have some measurements of like farmers' fields, like the, there's a famous photo of the fault going through a, a field and the fence, it goes perpendicular straight through the fence. And so the fence gets offset by, you know, something insane, nine feet or something. And so you can make sort of estimates on that. We know the San Andreas in general moves like 20 millimeters a year, 20 to 30 millimeters a year. Which is pretty fast. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's active and it's cooking. So you can look at displacement as you see it in the in the sediment in the rock record and you know you can sort of back calculate given given what we know and so on and so forth and this is i don't know are you going to talk about charles richter at all uh i we've we've talked about him before in the podcast i wasn't going to but well so this i mean this was such a big deal that it it basically it, it didn't it didn't start but it 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 sort of it acted as a catalyst to really propel the field of seismology into becoming, you know, a really wide science and, and people trying to understand these things. And, you know, that's where you get Moho. Moho was sort of dabbling with this before this, but it really takes off. And Richter, this, this started especially the field of seismology in the U.S., we wanted to know why it happened and would it happen again and so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. And so Richter was one of the things, you know, he was looking at displacement and how much the rock got moved and so on and so forth. So one of the main uh, things that contributed to how disastrous this earthquake was, was the fact that there were no building codes at the time when this earthquake occurred. 
And so there was, geez, a lot, a lot of stuff. Uh, okay. I'm, I'm looking at a factor. Uh, let's see a blurb here. 28,000 buildings were destroyed as a part of, as a result of this earthquake. Yeah. Like now, five, I mean, 500 city blocks, 500 city blocks. Yeah. That's crazy. Uh, as a result of this earthquake, half of San Francisco was left homeless. That's crazy. What? Yeah. I, I, 400,000 residents homeless. Whew. Three 3,000 people died. Yeah, yeah. I mean, in- I've also heard uh, that that number might be three to four times larger too. the, the, the death toll. And I, I wouldn't be surprised. And, you know, I mean, at this point, San Francisco is the biggest, I think it was the biggest city in California and it was the, it, it was the city in California. And after, you know, this wipes out the city, takes out half the city. Um, and it's, you know, less than 10 years later when LA gets the, their aqueduct hooked up. And so they, they su- surpass um, San Francisco as the main city in California. And so part of it can be, re- you know, tied into this event. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So one of the things that made, uh, I guess we're talking about uh, this, a lot of these buildings that uh, fell down and they didn't have any building codes at this point. So that's now if you're in California, there's, there's a lot of uh, strict standards for, for building codes. You just can't put up any, any building kind of willy nilly and just, that's ah, good. It looks like it'll, they'll say it has to, it has to adhere to, to these, these earthquake standards because they are, you know, they're, they're prone to large, large earthquakes. Yeah. Even uh, like the PG and the PE exams, uh, professional geologists, professional engineering, uh, there's like, it's a nationwide exam. And then some states have little riders that you have to take as well. California, it's like it's like a whole nother day exam or something. It's some huge All earthquakes. <laughs> but if so, if you're a PG or PE in California, it's a big deal because it's a whole nother big hoop that you have to jump through in order to get that accreditation. And it's because of these building codes and things like this. Huh. Makes sense. You yeah. Know? Um, so one of the reasons, another reason for these, um, these buildings, uh, collapsing was because of the, what they were built on. So there were, there was, there was a, there were some buildings that were built on old, like ancient sediments from the, from the San Francisco Bay right there. And, and then we had this, uh, you, you had this phenomenon called liquefaction occurring and, it what it does it basically when there's an earthquake it amplifies the the waves and the the buildings just uh, collapse uh, under underneath uh, underneath these these like loose unconsolidated sediments. So nowadays, you know, they they're they, you know, they, we know about this. They're more strict about that, and uh, so um, you want to know what you're building on. You don't want to just <laughs> build on on random stuff, especially just uh, in in an earthquake prone area. I've seen, I've seen some pictures of, uh, uh, up in Alaska from the, what year was the earthquake in Alaska in the 1960s, the second worst one on record. Yeah. What was that? The 1960, 62, 62. Yeah. It might've been the early sixties. Yeah. Yeah. It was, uh, just outside of Anchorage, right? Yeah. 
64. 64, that's it. Yeah. And they yeah. had some liquefaction issues there and, and uh, buildings just, you know. Yeah, that was, that was a magnitude 9.2. Yeah. Huge. That was a big one. Yeah, but there are famous pictures of, of buildings in San Francisco, like like houses, I should say, not buildings, but like houses, like just. Are you looking on that National Archives website? Yeah, like just, yeah. Uh, you know, like there's two houses like leaning on each other. It looks like the house from Full House, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah but it's leaning it's, on a house it's, next it's to the it. the leaning tower of Full House, you know? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Oof. Um, that, was a, that was a bad one. Uh, so. Other issues that uh, that occurred during the earthquake are more infrastructure related. So I always like to say, I always used to tell this story that uh, if we put you in a field, a farm field or whatever, in like say like Kansas, right, totally flat, you're just in like a you know whatever grasslands, and theoretically the worst earthquake that ever ever occurred um, happens worst case scenario it would knock you on your butt you know you, you're not gonna be able to stand up during this earthquake it would just kind of knock you on your butt um the main thing is like buildings collapsing um fires and things like that and and those are all um issues that are related to human infrastructure if you were out in the uh out in the uh you know in just an open field as long as like trees weren't falling on you or something like that uh, you would you hypothetically be totally fine from the worst earthquake ever until until i was reading this book about the <laughs> the extinction of the dinosaurs the, the kt event right the earthquakes that occurred if you were close enough to the the impact zone potentially that uh, it's hypothesized that it was flinging dinosaurs or, or tyrannosaurs up in the air like that's how hard that's how much shaking uh uh, was occurring from from that earthquake as a result of uh, uh, that that seven mile wide asteroid slamming into the Yucatan Peninsula. So I kind of starting to rescind this story about saying like <laughs> if the worst earthquake ever would occur. Uh, well, no, the worst earthquake that could be produced by mechanisms on the planet. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It, you, More like your traditional earthquake. Yeah. You know, we like don't tend to like if we have another moon event or another moon-sized mm -hmm. asteroid hits us we're all yeah we're you're screwed well there but, is that new movie coming out where the moon falls into the earth <gasps> shut up really yeah it's called moonfall halle berry uh, is it? stop it well, it has to be good then yeah well i know what i'm by, doing uh it's by the guy who did uh shoot what else did he did 2012 and God. uh independence day Nice. The day after tomorrow. Nice. So, one, it's true. Yeah. Because <laughs> he only makes nonfiction. Uh, uh, well, I'm very interested to see this. How, uh, how they're gonna you know, say the moon falls into yeah. Earth. But uh, this is it's this is something that I often say. You know, when I'm <clears throat> when it comes to normal plate tectonic earthquakes like it's not the shaking that will kill you no it's it's, it's the fires it's the tsunami it's the buildings collapse oh, yeah well that's yeah okay so yeah the tsunami will get you if there's a tsunami that's that it's, the tsunami is the one that's all right but let's clarify this you're not going to get a tsunami from a san andreas or 
any earthquake in California is not going to produce a tsunami. Directly. Directly. There. So you look like you have a story to tell right now. <laughs> well, yeah, sort of. But I, I, Steve can finish his thought here. If you no, well, I, explain just yourself. Like, like what Chris said, they're they're the slidey pasty. You know, the transform faults. They're they're moving this way and this way. There's no up and down movement to displace water. Like yes, there there is a little bit of displacement, and and like Chris said, there is 21 feet of displacement happened during this earthquake. With a 21 foot displacement, yes, you could get a tsunami. But however, most of the movement is lateral left right not yeah, up side down. to side yeah and the majority of the faults is on land that helps not, too yeah not, yeah yeah not gonna displace water on land yeah. you, so i said uh directly because there is one of the sort of um one of the hazards and it's low risk you know if we talk about hazard versus risk here um <clears throat> is that the shaking could uh, cause uh, an underwater landslide from off the shelf in, you know, off of San Francisco mm-hmm. or Oakland. And that could trigger, or even as far South as LA and trigger a, a tsunami. We actually, I, you know, as an undergrad, we did that as a sort of a thought experiment. We looked at, I took a natural disasters class and we, we talked about, if you could get a tsunami off of say the coast of LA and it's yes, is the answer. No kidding. Yep. It would, it would be, it would be a landslide or like an underwater landslide, but such a basically like a, like a a, a turbidity flow. So yeah, I guess so. But it would have, yeah. Some, something big enough to displace enough water. Like, but you anywhere on any coast, you can have a tsunami happen. Because they can happen thousands of miles away. Yeah. The the event that causes the tsunami, like when um, the Japan earthquake that caused the Fukushima Daiichi disaster, like there was tsunami warnings from Alaska all the way down to Mexico mm-hmm. and Hawaii, but they, they were low. It was like three to four feet or something like that, but it was still extra waves from this earthquake thousands of miles away so coincidentally uh i was reading about uh building codes and stuff like that and japan has the strictest building codes in terms of earthquakes on in the world yeah yeah i mean and and even ancient japanese building techniques kind of took into account shaking you know, and, and some of their ancient buildings are still around. You know, and there's there's some interesting um, evidence of some of its luck of the draw, and some of it was based on sort of medieval building techniques. Of if, if you look in, in, this is from Italy, where you had some earthquakes, where like some of the like towers would be fine, and like all the other buildings would collapse, and it was just a lot of it was like the height of the building and, and the width of the building gave it the perfect shape to um, absorb the shaking. So it sort of canceled. It acted as like a perfect dampening effect. Because so it was like a resonance damper. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's it, cool. 
Yeah, it's kind of crazy. But but they they have evidence even of this in like Machu Picchu and and like uh, the other civilization. Like is it Mayan civilizations in Machu Picchu in Peru, where they you know there was you know they're on an active fault zone too, where it's a convergent boundary and that they get earthquakes, and you could see they would add in certain shapes that if, if things were to shake, things would kind of stay tight. Yeah. Like, and not collapse. Machu Picchu is Incan. Also. Incan. Thank you. Yeah. Also going back to the Japanese, I've heard some, some anecdotal stories that they've seen like from um, the ancient civilizations that lived on in Japan, they, they've seen, like some kind of um, like warning signs. So there, there's something about the warning signs of, of like of the of waters coming in, right? And like don't don't build below this line. It was basically an ancient tsunami warning. Huh. That's kind of <clears throat> yeah. It's all that just sort of learned experience, learned mm-hmm. knowledge. Uh, back to San Francisco. Yeah. So let me. Can I talk about the fire real quick? Yeah. Do you? you okay. So. So fire's bad. So thanks, Frankenstein's monster. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, He was misunderstood. Anyway, uh, (laughs) Abby, Abby, normal. Sorry. Uh, So the the fires was the main thing that did the damage, as as we've already said. I just want to spend two seconds here on why it was so bad. I mean, aside from the fact that the buildings were a lot of wood structures and, you know, fire burns things. But, you know, you're still at a time when um, natural gas is is sort of the main uh, way we're lighting things. So you have all these natural gas lines into these buildings. And so you shake the ground and the natural gas lines rupture uh, and then they ignite. And the also thing that you have in the ground is the water pipes and so all the water mains are breaking so there's no pressure and so all of the 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 fire spread pretty quickly because you had no real way to put it out um but the story i've i've always heard and i don't know the truth to it i've i haven't dug too deep uh just because it's a great story and so it might be apocryphal, who knows, is that the fire marshal, like the year before, two years before, like 1905, 1904, when they were talking about infrastructure, had said, what happens, you know, <clears throat> if the water lines break during an earthquake, how will we pump water? We should build a water tower on, on the hills Oh, that will gravity feed the system. So if one line breaks, you're still going to get pressure in the rest of the other lines. And, you know, it was in my mind, he was sort of booed out of the room because they didn't. <laughs> listen to him. And sure enough, you know, two years later. So it, it also apparently, you know, and, and the, the national park service has a little write up on it. You know, the next day they were they were thinking about how to create a fire break and um, blow up buildings essentially to create a fire break. Uh, I should um, 
mention that that the progress was hampered with this fire break because it got to a point where um, it was it, it hit an avenue that had all of these uh, mansions on it. Ah. And they didn't want their houses blown up. Ah. Uh, so they didn't, they didn't really blow, they didn't blow them up. So they caught fire. Uh, <laughs> can't win them all. Nope. But the, the fire burned for like three days. Right. Yep. Um, and yeah. yeah, three days. It essentially like on the one side of it, it just stopped like mid block, like wooden structures in front of it. And it just stopped. Huh. Kind of, I didn't it's probably the, the, there's some thought that the winds were blowing against it. Ah, okay. So it, but it, yeah, it, um, it's, yeah, it's, it stopped in the center of like a, a block that was, that was filled with wooden structures. That's I'm, crazy. I'm, to, yeah, I'm thinking it's sorcery, but yeah. Prob- I mean, but yeah, black you, magic, you sure. gotta think yeah. that the house that didn't burn down, that was the right at the edge. I'd be suspect. She's a witch. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Did you guys come across the ham and eggs fire? <laughs> no. But this, no. Uh, so there one the the one fire. There was what thirty fires broke out from uh, like what Jesse was saying: broken electric lines, broken gas mains. This ham and eggs fire broke out. That was one of the largest fires. A resident lit their stove to cook breakfast. And the chimney connected to the stove was broken and it ignited <laughs> the roof of the house on fire. And so this, this fire was dubbed the ham and eggs fire. So I feel like that, that's, that is my, that sums up my life. <laughs> <laughs> so interesting uh, reading about this from the national archives, uh, Congress did a bunch of things like they, they had appropriations committees that gave water, food, tents, blankets, like, like they, the government stepped in big time. Did they had, they, they had FEMA back then. What did no, FEMA, no. Let me look up, see when FEMA started. So they, they, you know, they, they gave money and appropriations and, and support and all this stuff. Uh, but part of this was uh, a claims committee kind of, kind of like what with Sandy was the most recent one where like, people could make claims to the government and say, yes, my house was damaged by Sandy. And (laughs) one of the biggest uh, claims uh, group was saloon owners. Because apparently the law enforcement was so worried about the fire spreading that they were going into saloons and just, uh, you know, uh, (laughs) alcohol spirits were destroyed by law enforcement officers trying to minimize the spread of fire and threat of mob violence. So they thought either the alcohol was going to spread the fire or people were going to form mobs by getting all boozed up. (laughs) Need to get the booze. (laughs) So it's estimated $30,000 worth of booze was, was lost in 1906 from, from law enforcement, not just from the fire. The hits keep coming, <laughs> right? Like, man, my house just burned down. I can't even have a beer. Gosh. Uh, did you get the? I did you get the FEMA number? Uh, April first, nineteen seventy nine. Jimmy yeah. Carter. Yeah. Um, it stemmed out of uh, the Great Depression. It was like a piecemeal agency approach. Uh, yeah. From the Great what, Depression FEMA? was not seventy nine. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, yeah. So it, it it was started. FEMA was started. 
but like the idea of assistance oh. was was started in the great depression and then it folded under the uh, house and uh, housing and urban development hud hud and then it got its own agency jimmy carter Good guy. Still, still been building houses for Habitat for Humanity, man. Yeah. Peanut farmer like, from Georgia. He's like ninety-five. He's, I think yeah. he's like ninety-eight, isn't he? Nah, he's he's old. He's up there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He um, is. He is ninety-six. Oof. Oh, it's his birthday in three weeks. He'll be ninety-seven. Nice. Yep. Playing. Uh, we'll let's we'll so see if we can get on, him on the we'll, podcast. Yeah. Uh, one one other thing. This is this is pretty good. I like. Uh, a little couple more facts about the fires. Uh, did we say 492 city blocks burned in three days? I said 500, but yeah. I said 500. Okay. Um, and then uh, most fire hydrants in the city didn't have any water or very little water, except the golden hydrant at the intersection of church and 20th, which somehow maintained enough pressure to help fight the fires in the mission district. Nice. Thank it makes me gold. think of like the uh, the painted on exit doors in the Simpsons in the nuclear power plant. <laughs> oh, here's another fun fact. The uh, I love these this, like these super fun facts. The Golden Hydrant. You can visit it today. It's now an icon and a tourist attraction. It's ah. painted gold once a year on April 18th. I I feel like the Golden Hydrant is like what dogs search for. <laughs> there. Yeah, you're going to take your pet on vacation. You're taking it to the Golden Hydrant. Yeah, that's a, a good looking hydrant. It's sort of old. It's old timey looking. Oh, here's a picture with the dog in front of it. <laughs> that's a good looking hydrant. <laughs> um, so after this, uh, so on July. Again, it's a witch. <laughs> so after this, uh, after this earthquake, uh, let's see, on July 5th, Remember the earthquake was April 18th. What was it? April April 18th. Yeah. Okay. So Ju- July 5th, 1906. Um, the res uh, the, the city passed a bunch of uh, some zoning ordinances, require fireproofing, restrictions on wood buildings, and, and some of that stuff. Uh, and they completed 1912. This isn't what this is kind of goes off of what Jesse was saying about the the like the fire chief was it or who was the yeah the fire marshal or the fire, fire marshal. Well, they didn't go the route of uh, of putting a, a water tower or anything like that. They instead uh, put in an underground, or a high pressure underground water supply system, so that the city would never be without water again. So that was hmm. uh, 1912. Um, yeah. Fun, fun fact about the city of Philadelphia. Circling back, we're one of the only uh, you know uh, original United States big cities that haven't had a major fire oh knock on wood (laughs) yeah great thanks nice pun (laughs) no but it's because most of the city was built with bricks Hmm. Ah. like like chicago had a huge fire san francisco had a huge fire. a lot of these huge cities were built on timber whereas philly had a ton of clay around so brick was the building uh op, yeah the building um supply of choice and brick is a very good fire insulator so yeah. if you have two brick buildings even if they're touching each other it's hard for it to go through that what we call a party wall yeah even i mean so like my house is connected to another house and it's wood 
but in between the two wood walls is a brick wall. It's fire break. Yep. Um, yeah, we have brick and good old Wissahick and Schist. Nice. Gives us our other big building stone with some slate roofing. Yeah, but you got the uranium in the you have slate Schist. roof. I don't. No, no. But I'm saying in the city. Oh, oh like gonna say. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. Yeah. You have yeah, a slate roof. Why are you uh, podcasting in your basement? <laughs> yeah. The only thing we've got to worry about, yeah, is the is the radon that is seeping <laughs> up. The uranium de- <laughs> decomposing. All right. Uh, so this earthquake uh, kind of, you know, there there was some, some good things that came out of this earthquake. Uh, in fact, uh, two years. W- later, way to find a silver lining, Chris. There is. I mean, we, I mean, like you know, you learned. Some people learn some stuff from this earthquake. So it's good to learn from your mistakes. That's a life lesson. So remember at this time we're pre-plate tectonics and um, they didn't even know like that there was a San Andreas fault that hadn't been named yet. And this was just kind of like, like San Francisco, like they, I guess they, they knew that there were earthquakes in the area, but they really couldn't, didn't understand the, the earthquakes. So in 1908, two years after the earthquake, there was this uh, report that came out called the Lawson Report. And uh, it's considered the definitive document describing the 1906 earthquake and all its uh, effects. It had some uh, professor uh, on, the, on this commission. It was a self-formed commission. It had professors from University of California, Berkeley, Stanford University, um, and uh couple other places all over the world uh, over the country the united states geological survey even some people from johns hopkins were on this uh and so they after as a result of this earthquake they went out and they started surveying the uh, uh all of the uh the, the effects of the earthquake including the scarps that were that were formed as a result of this earthquake and they started mapping it out and they mapped out the San Andreas Fault uh, following following this earthquake. So it was kind of that was an important um, important thing that came out of this. Now they had a better understanding of how these earthquakes work and and who's you know at the uh, most danger, uh, most risk from um, from these earthquakes in California. So before this, they only knew of two sections uh, from along the. I'm sorry, three, uh, it looks like three sections along the, the San Andreas fault. They knew they had it fairly well mapped out. looks like towards the, the Southern end down towards like the, uh, Los Angeles and a little bit in the San Francisco earthquake. But after this report, um, after, after the work came after this, uh, after the earthquake, the 1906 earthquake, they pretty much had this whole thing mapped out the whole San Andreas mapped out or in, uh, in California. So that's, that's where that was kind of like the, the, you know, the, the, the catalyst for mapping out the, the San Andreas fault was this 1906 earthquake. And then in 1910, after an analysis of the displacements and strain uh, from uh, involved with this earthquake gentleman named Reed in 1910 uh, formulated his elastic rebound theory. So that that can that's uh, elastic rebound theory just kind of states that uh, in the time leading up to an earthquake, as pressure builds, uh, you know, uh, the rock can kind of uh, 
uh, how can you phrase it? Kind of uh, like, like stretch a little bit. Bendy. Yes. Bendy. Thank you. It, uh, it, it gets, it gets bent a little bit and then it finally builds up enough pressure that boom, it snaps and everything moves and you release the, you release the stress there. Think about, think about bending a pencil. A pencil will bend, but it's it, at some point it'll break. And then when it breaks, it, you, you don't have two half moon shaped little pencils. Now the, after it breaks, they snap back into their straight form. So you end up with two straight pencils, but bef- right before it breaks, you have like a rainbow shaped pencil. So that's, that's kind of elastic string theory where like, it, it is bendy, but then as soon as it breaks, they snap back into their original form. They're just displaced now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or at least that's how I explain it. No, no that's, 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 that's good. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, the, the 1906 San Francisco earthquake uh, was... It was it was a rough one. It was a rough one. And but. and they did know there was seismic activity in the area because yeah. there, there were seismometers or at least a seismometer in the vicinity when the earthquake happened. Well, they, they picked it up in Germany. Right. Yeah, I'm looking at uh, some seismic data from, from Germany. Look, um, I picked up that earthquake. Isn't that crazy that you can see these things around the world? I know. And, and uh, like, honestly, this is how we know, you know, if, if North Korea tests a nuclear bomb, cause there's seismic activity around the planet. So, and, and not only that, you can tell if it was above ground, underground, if it was underground, how, how big was the hydrogen bo- or the atomic bomb? Like crazy physicists and their math. Am I right? Yeah. <laughs> it shakes the ground differently than regular tectonics. And that's how we tell. Yeah magma moving from regular earthquakes and so on and so forth. Oh, should we just talk about Dante's Peak for the rest of the episode now? Yeah, harmonic tremors. Yeah. yeah. We should, um, I just want to mention, you know, San Andreas Fault, it's uh, st- still moving, as we said, so it's still, you know, it's still getting stuck in places and building up, you know, you have that stress, and that, then when it gets stuck, it, it strains. So you build up that energy and then you release it. That's the big earthquake. So we have a history along this fault. So 1906, magnitude 7.8. Um, prior to that, um, there, uh, in 1868, there was a magnitude 7 along the Hayward. Um, there was a, a 6.5 on the San Andreas in 1865. In 1838, there was a magnitude 7 into the more present uh loma prieta which we talked about in the beginning was in san francisco san andreas that was a 7.1 and that was uh sort of the last really big one until the the 2014 napa earthquake that was a 6.0 so you know we you know we're, we're building sh- 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 their stress. It's always, it's all the plates are always trying to move. So you're, you're building up this, this um, energy as the plates get strained when they get, get stuck. And Loma Prieta was sort of the last really big one. I mean, Napa was 6.0, but Loma Prieta 7.1 was 30, 32 years ago. So, yeah. 
and uh you know the the stress wizard causes strain right so the the stress which is like almost an invisible that's why i say the stress wizard is building up and all along different parts of the fault when you have an earthquake you're relieving that stress like oh but then there's parts of the fault that haven't had an earthquake in a long time the plates are still moving that stress is still building like that that fuse is already lit it's just a matter of how long until that stress reaches that critical point where the rocks can't stands no more and then they break so you know we're due at at any given point i should say some point along the fault is due to rupture whether it's a little a lot depends on you know if you have a a thousand tiny earthquakes that's almost a good thing because it it's relieving that stress a little bit little by little by little by little by and you're just gonna shuffling on past but if you have a big earthquake and then nothing happens for 20 years 30 years 40 years that that stress is still building it's got to go somewhere (laughs) so um I think that's pretty much uh, it. It looks like there was a, this earthquake caused $400 million in damage in 1906 dollars. So it would be, I saw the number. I can't find it. It was like, how many, how many elephants can I buy with that? Lots and lots of billions. Uh, (laughs) It would be um, equivalent to, according to, I don't know if this is exactly right. I'm trying to find the inflation calculator. This is telling me 12.1 trillion. That seems high. That seems a little high. Sorry. Sorry. Uh, That's a decimal, not a comma. 12.1 billion. Okay. I I was. That's that's kind of reasonable. I mean, if it's 6.0 in Napa that just destroyed, you know, booze. Yeah. Although I guess $30,000 of the. Of the San Francisco earthquake in 1906 was booze. So, <laughs> so what is thirty thousand dollars calculated into now? So wow, uh, just to kind of compare it, it uh, to Hurricane Katrina, Hurricane Katrina clocked in at eighty-one billion dollars. So we said this was twelve billion. Yep. Yeah, mm-hmm. Katrina was. Hurricane and, Katrina was but, a little more. Costly. But also, that's nineteen oh six. Well, San Fran, if, if that same earthquake were to hit San Fran today, that's that's not like the, the property values, the building values, like all all that stuff is, has Mm -hmm. increased. I see you're saying dramatically, Yeah, you know, instead of just a bunch of two or three story houses, you're talking, you know, a major metropolitan city. Yeah. So. It was um, expensive. And it will be expensive for uh, the rest of our lifetimes. Yep. It's, it's not going to stop. So. So we learned a lot from this earthquake. It was it was very destructive. Um, uh, one thing we didn't say, I, I saw this fact. I, I forgot to mention this. It, uh, this. The actual shaking during the earthquake lasted about 45 to 60 seconds. So. That fast boom, which doesn't building. sound like a lot, but I'm sure if you're getting shaken off your butt for a full if, if minute, in, 
if you're inside your house and the shaking's going on for a full minute, you're like, what is I, going I, you on? You know, we're all adults now. So I don't know when the last time you've been like on a big trampoline is. Actually, but if you, it's just the other day. No. <laughs> but imagine you had to lay, lay down on a trampoline and, and let your kids jump around on it for a whole minute. It would suck. <laughs> Or like lay down in a bounce house. Let's put it that way. And you, and, and you had a, a bounce house full of kids and you had to lay down and just take it for a minute. It would, it, it would be a long minute. Yeah. Yeah. That's, 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 that's a long time in during an earthquake. So trying to see if there's anything else here that uh, it looks like it took about nine years to rebuild the city hmm. after, uh, after it occurred. They built that city on rock and roll. That's exactly what Ooh. I was thinking. Uh, I think every, let's see. I think every in, morning. In 2003, scientists estimated that there is a 62% probability that a 6.7 magnitude earthquake or larger will be hitting the Bay Area within the next 30 years. When, when was that? That was in 2003. Yeah. And then one so hit was, in 2014. Oh, okay. Yeah, little, <laughs> that one's a little dated there. No, All but right, but you're that again. Uh, it hit Napa, so it was well north of the Bay Area. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if that would count or not. Yeah. I don't know what they considered the Bay Area. Um, and it looks like the uh, yes, yeah, that's ah, that's all the facts I got for today. So you guys got anything else? Uh, no, you know, uh, no, I do have one more fun fact. So you, you talked about the ham and eggs fire. Yeah. There, there was a mandate where people had to cook outside after the earthquake, a- after yeah. the earthquake, you were you were not allowed to cook in your own home. And I'm guessing, be, I'm guessing it was a result of the ham and eggs fire, but I read that, that you weren't, you know, people had to, even if your house was still standing, you had to go outside to cook. So they they were talking about all these inconveniences, like all the homeless people basically living in tents and parks, um, and even the people who had homes had to cook outside on the sidewalk. How about that? <laughs> yeah. So little 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 interesting fun fact there. So or not not so fun fact, I guess. <laughs> um although it sounds like barbecue and you're tailgating. I'm all right yeah. with that. <laughs> guess back back then it wasn't a novelty. <laughs> Just trying to survive. Yeah. Uh, all right, everyone. Uh, that just about wraps it up for today. Thank you so much for, for tuning in. If you enjoy the geology flannel cast, uh, tell a friend. It's September now. So what, what do we got going on for September, Steve? Uh, I got nothing. I don't know. Uh, say, it, say it to your spouse. S- say spouse. something to your siblings. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> So, all right. Uh, see you in September. That's all you got. <laughs> there you go. Thank you so much for uh, for for hanging out. Um, tell a friend if you like the podcast. It's the easiest thing to do. Um, we have a Patreon site, patreoncom slash geologyflannelcast. Um, we have uh, several different tiers of sponsorship. You can, depending on what tier you're interested in, we'll uh, come hang out with us during the while we record the podcast. You'll fun hangout session before the podcast starts on zoom and uh you can hang out during the podcast we uh 
friends here are sending us chats and stuff like that during the podcast. So, uh, or uh, you can have your own episode completely devoted to you and your questions on geology. Um, or we got some merch on geologyflannelcast.com, some coffee mugs that make your coffee taste 20% better. 20% proven. 20%. You get some t-shirts, uh, if you want some stickers and stuff like that, that's all there on geologyflannelcast.com. We got the social media stuff on Twitter and, and Instagram and, uh, yeah, the, the Facebook, the so, Facebook, the Facebook. All right. I think that just about wraps it up. Uh, thanks so much for hanging out and we'll catch you guys next week. With another ground-shaking episode of the Geology Flannel Cast. Ah, way to bring it home, buddy. Nice. All right. See ya. See ya. Bye. Thanks for stopping. Bye.